passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue this, this is the pod, is the for, you. pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Shout out to the Denver Nuggets, but when is it going to be our turn? EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer, Orange and Blue Bloods, and New York Knicks podcast coming at you right now. Plenty to get to on this episode. We will be talking about the capper of the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets winning the title, beating the Miami Heat in Game 5. We'll talk about uh, the Nuggets win, um, how they were able to capture this championship, and how much of a threat they are to repeat. We also got some early odds for next season's uh, NBA championship, and we'll give you guys the odds on where the Knicks lie right now in terms of the odds to win the 2024 NBA championship. I was a little surprised at how low they were, but we'll talk about that. Also on the show, again, as I said in the last podcast, there'll be plenty of episodes where we talk about players that aren't on the Knicks, and here we are again. So um, should, should Bradley Beal be a target for the Knicks this offseason? At least one Knicks commenter, uh, commentator thinks so, so we'll uh, talk about whether Bradley Beal be a good fit in New York, plus the news that's been kind of breaking today, yes, as we record on Wednesday, even more so even uh, on Tuesday, uh, both Shams and uh, Brian Windhorst of ESPN saying that Zion Williamson could very well be on the block. And whenever Zion Williamson's name comes up, the Knicks usually uh, follow shortly after that. So we'll talk about the dynamics of Zion potentially on the trade block and what that means for the New York Knicks. So plenty to get to on this podcast again. My guy, Tommy Beer, joins me as always. Tommy, how are you feeling? Always something. A random Wednesday in, in the association, the middle of June, finals over, a couple weeks away from the draft and in free agency, yep. and then we get a Bradley Beal bomb via Woj. Um, so so plenty to discuss, but uh, let's begin with uh, giving some flowers to Mr. Jokic. 
Let's do it. So again, this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, an Odyssey WFN original, a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. Also, be sure to give us a, a comment, a review on those podcasts, uh, on those podcast platforms as well. So we can give a shout out to you guys. So make sure you review those podcasts. So give us five stars, hopefully, if you're enjoying the show. And check us out on YouTube. You can find us on the Odyssey Sports channel and the WFAN channel. We post not just the full episodes of the podcast, but also segments from the show. So once again, give us a like, give us a comment on there uh, so we can read your feedback and uh, and, and shout out to you guys for, uh, for supporting us. So uh, let's get right to it. So Denver Nuggets are NBA champions for the first time in franchise history. The Nuggets closed out the Miami Heat 94-89 in Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Nikola Jokic was awarded Finals MVP. He finished the postseason leading all players in total points, total rebounds, and total assists. So an absolute dominant performance from Nikola Jokic, the two-time MVP for the regular season, now the Finals MVP. For this NBA Finals in 2023, now uh, the Nuggets have a strong team. Clearly, having won this title, they come into next season as the betting eye favorites to repeat as champions as well. They're plus 475 coming into next season. You wonder where the Knicks may be after what they did this season, and and some of the rumors we're hearing about the offseason. How is Vegas see the Knicks right now? Currently 15th in the odds for NBA championship for next season. Knicks right now can get them at plus. 4,000. So interesting note there. We will talk about the Knicks in a second from that regard. But first, Tommy on the Nuggets. Why were they able to capture this championship this season? Yeah, first and foremost, is it starts with a center, starts with uh, Nikola Jokic, who was flat out dominant. You mentioned first player in NBA history um, to lead the post all postseason players um, in points, rebounds, and assists. I mean, the you look at the game log, you look at the numbers, they really are mind-blowing um average 30 14 uh 30 points 14 rebounds in the finals shot shot 58 from the floor um postseason just missed there's a couple rebound a couple of assists shy from averaging a 30 point triple double um you know over the, the in the postseason scored 600 points on 414 field goal attempts um had a higher three-point percentage than steph curry and and uh, kevin durant and uh, several other you know clay thompson just elite shooters um, obviously didn't have the same volume as those guys, but not, you know, knock down three pointers and up the stretch of defense w- when needed to um, really can't say enough about Jokic. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks uh, I'm sure um, uh, had to watch kind of, you know, through, through their through, through clenched <laughs> fists um, that had, you know, referred to him as a stat pattern and not yeah. worthy of being considered an all time great. Um, Jokic made a lot of folks eat their words over the past two months. So, um, credit to Jokic. And obviously, uh, he's not the only one. Jamal Murray played at an incredibly high level. Um, uh, really, really, you know, obviously averaging 10 assists. Um, uh, just the fourth player in NBA history to average 20 points and 10 assists in the NBA Finals. Other three are Jordan, Magic, and LeBron. Um, so those are pretty decent names. Um, he play, and, and obviously, uh, he, he and Jokic are the first pair of teammates to average 25, 5, and 5. Um, just a phenomenal run by the Nuggets, who were really the best team in the NBA from the very start of the season to the final day of the uh, of the 2022-23 season. Um, so credit to the Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, the Nuggets in their success obviously starts and ends with Nikola Jokic, uh, another just uh, spectacular end to uh, another spectacular season for him. This one time ending with the ultimate prize, a uh, championship. 
And it's funny with these guys because, like, I don't know. I think sometimes we're, we kind of got – because of the Jordan era, I think we're kind of lost in the sauce with some of these great players and, like, refusing to acknowledge their greatness before they win a championship because there's this concept that maybe these guys will end up like Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley and Carl Malone and John Stockton, which, by the way, not a bad place to be <laughs> if you end up like one of those guys. Yeah. But I think because we saw for a long stretch of time – all-time great players end up ringless. Like there's this weird kind of like we can't actually celebrate these great players who are clearly in, inevitably going to win a championship. Um, and and this concept that oh, these guys may actually never win a championship. So therefore, I I can kind of you know make a hot take and say hey this guy actually isn't all that great because they lived in a world where there were great players who actually didn't win championships. And then all those same people who will bash Barkley and bash Ewing and bash Malone and bash Stockton. For not winning championships and it's silly to me because like we're so beyond that era like like now all the great players win championships at some point pretty much think about them like lebron wade duncan uh kg paul pierce dirk and whiskey kevin Dur- uh, kevin durant stephen curry are you like you going i mean Ka- Kawhi leonard like everybody wins championships at this point in time there are no dynasties anymore so you're going to see these great guys eventually get over the hump. So I was happy to see Jokic get over the hump and, and, and make those uh those uh, detractors, like you said, eat those words, because this was just inevitable. It was like, you know, the, the hot takes on Jokic were just going to run out of time at a certain point, and it felt like this was that time. He showed why he is the best player in the NBA, the most dominant player in the NBA. And I think what was, I think, maybe most surprising for a lot of people was how effective he was defensively in this series. Opponents shot only 39% in the field in the finals against him. That's akin to what Giannis did in 2021 for the uh the, the, for the Milwaukee Bucks against the Phoenix Suns. Um, I mean, I can't count. I, he had a million deflections this year. I can't count on two hands how many deflections he had and how many turnovers he caused with his defense. So you had the defensive impact he had to go along with all the stuff he does on the glass and his offensive impact. And you got the best player in the world, and he he showed that. So credit to Jokic, um, and, and like you said, credit to Jamal Murray. I mean, he's one of my favorite players in the NBA. He's been for a while now. And, you know, to think about his story, going back from the knee injury, him wondering if the team was going to give up on him, and to get to that point, it, it was inspiring. And, I, you know, I saw Odell Beckham talk about it uh, today, I think earlier today, uh, talking about he was inspired by what he saw from Jamal Murray in these playoffs. I think it was inspiring for a lot of people. So, that duo really looks like a fun duo that I hope we get to watch for a long time. It feels like maybe this is the the remaking of Stockton Malone without Michael Jordan to kind of stop them from winning championships. Like this might be the the, the next great you know point guard big man combo. Yeah, and I think it's a good point you make as as far as defense is concerned. And a lot of that had to do with um, you know folks and and listen, a lot of people don't have the time. If you work a job right. you know, nine to yeah. five on the East Coast, you don't have time to watch Nuggets games. And you got a kid, and you got a dog, and you you know you got to go to check in on your parents and hang out with your friends. Like you don't have time to 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 watch all the Nuggets games. So a lot of but but the issue is a lot of you know casual fans get their you know take their are informed by people that should, you know, should, your, job, should know. Right. your job is to, is to cover the NBA. Then you should, then you have to, you should,
should be required to to watch it. So all the folks bashing the, and the numbers were there. The advanced right. analytics needed when he was on the floor. The Nuggets were a very good defensive team, but he didn't exactly. average a lot of blocks, and there weren't a lot of uh, Instagram highlights of him, uh, you know, jumping over guys back, and you know, you know, and, <laughs> right, and, and yeah. he just fundamentally sound. He boxed out. He was positioned correctly. Understood what play the other team was going to run by doing advanced research. Part of that's you know credit to the coaching staff that prepared the team. Um, and and he took credit on he took pride on that end of the floor. He wasn't a guy that didn't didn't, didn't give effort. He, he you know he, he tried hard. Um, and all those things in, in, in totality. Um, also his offensive dominance, which wears you out on the other end of the floor, um, led to the Nuggets being a good team on the defensive end and him being effective defensive player. Again, that you know that some of the counting stats don't may, may not necessarily reflect that. Um, the highlight plays may not necessarily be there, but at the end of the day, his team won and his team played well. Yep. And part of it was because of what he did defensively. Um, so, you know, I'd like to say, oh, this will be a, a wake up call for, for the hot take <laughs> artists, but um, you and I both know that that's not the case. And that's, that's for a myriad of other reasons, um, yeah. basically because uh, that, that hot takes are required in order to feed the beast. Um, but um, uh, the one thing that, that EJ and I, EJ and I try to pride ourselves on is we try to be um, a little bit of a, of a hot take free zone. Um, yeah. So, and we'll try to continue to do that going forward. But uh, yeah, long story short, um, you know, we're not going to say anything that hasn't already been said. Um, it's good to see Jokic get his flowers and also the way he handled it, I, I thought was really classy, uh, making sure he yeah. shook everybody's hand. Um, so uh, credit to Jokic and the Nuggets and uh, well-deserved. Yeah, I really, it was funny because he got a lot, like not he didn't get heat for it, but like people were kind of like, that was weird. Like why? And I actually, I'm actually surprised more guys don't do that. Like, after winning a championship. And I, I think we've seen some guys kind of make sure they go and get to guys before they just run off and celebrate. Yep. Um, but yeah, I thought that was classy. Uh, I, I, I like that he went and tried to, you know, give everybody, show everybody love, especially that team, because there have been some harsh words between those two teams, not in these finals, but in past seasons because of the issue with him and Morris. And so, like, I actually thought that that was uh, classy with him and classy of the Heat. They're classy organizations as much as a, as a Nick fan. I can't stand them. Yep. Classy for the Heat as well. They were classy throughout this entire series, except for Jimmy Butler, which is a whole nother story. Um, not about the Nuggets, but about the Hall of Fame. But, um, but yeah, and, and, and then also shout out to, the you know, the roster they put together. I mean, Calvin Booth really did a phenomenal job because he was he inherited, and of course he was on the staff, but he inherited a nice nucleus that, that Connolly put together, um, and then Connolly left to Minnesota. And he made some moves in the margins that really put them over the top. I mean, the KCP trade, was pure highway robbery. I still don't understand what what Washington was thinking of making that trade and signing uh, Bruce Brown, a guy who you know they got off the scrap heap, a guy that the Nets decided uh, you know couldn't play for them, and 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 was one of the reasons why they were losing. And look, if you're playing a six four guy at power forward, and he's probably not going to be all that effective. That's how the Nets were using him. You see him play for the, the uh, Nuggets, and you realize this guy's got some game. He can handle, he can shoot. Like it kind of didn't make sense how he had been used. So uh, credit to the front office as well. Of course, everybody knows how much of Mike Malone. So I, I don't even got to go into how much uh, of a great job he did. He's one of the best coaches in the NBA. Prove that as well. So Nuggets come in next season right now as the betting favorites. Do you do you buy that? 
It just, just real quick, because you mentioned Tim Connolly. I hadn't heard really, you know, his name mentioned. How about Tim Connolly spends a decade building up the Nuggets, you know, kind of from scratch. Yeah. Leaves them right before they win a championship and leaves to make arguably the worst trade in NBA history. You know, I whether know. that was A-Rod pulling the strings or whatever the case might be. Um, that's going to go down on his resume. And he has to, you know, now he's got Rudy Gobert, no draft picks, and has to watch Jokic and Murray, you know, guys that he drafted, raise a, raise a. Yeah, so, sometimes, sometimes uh, that promotion isn't, isn't, isn't what you think it is, you know. Know? Like he, totally. so he wanted to be a president. He wanted all the power, and hey. you know, Stan Kroenke could be Stan Kroenke. He wasn't trying to give him all that money and that power. And now, like, no, I, I, like you're right. I think a lot of people are not going to remember that he built the nucleus of this team. They're going to remember him now for being the guy who made the biggest blunder in recent yep. NBA history, which is a, a crazy turn of events for him. Um, but uh, yeah, to answer your question, I think uh, you know the. Um, uh, the Nuggets have the belt right now, and until you, you know, until you take the strap from them, um, they deserve to be the odds-on favorite. Um, I, I could definitely make an argument um, that the Bucks could be co-favorites, or you know, mm-hmm. I, I think I'd have them, you know, right underneath um, uh, the Nuggets. But you know, considering the uh, the Bucks just lost in the first round, and the Nuggets are champions, um, it's difficult, you know. And, and plus, we found out Middleton had surgery. Um, you yeah. know, was he ever going to be the same player that he was uh, during the championship season? Um, because I, he's obviously a major, major catalyst, um, you know, yep. along with Giannis and, and Drew Holiday. I think only has one year, you know, one year left on his contract and a player option, so they got to figure out there. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, I'd love to see a, a Bucks Nuggets. I, I, I likely, you know, pick that as my as my finals matchup. Uh, yep. You know, three months from now when we do our preseason predictions. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's fair to uh, install the Nuggets as, as preseason favorites. I would as well. I mean, I think that there's a lot of teams. It feels like a lot of these contenders got a lot of soul searching to do this offseason. Like, yeah. unlike other years, we're like, you know, contenders, you lose in the playoffs. Okay, you know, maybe make one move here or there and whatever. I, it just feels like all these other teams besides the Nuggets are like staring at their rosters being like, uh, if we don't do it next year, like, what's going to happen? I mean, Philly, Boston, uh, in terms of what do you do with Jalen Brown, they decided to keep the coach, which is like, I mean, was that the right move? They know they hired Charles Lee from Milwaukee to be their top assistant. He has been one of the hot, hot, you know, coaching names all throughout the NBA as an assistant to be a next head coach. You know, is that the guy that's kind of now made the coaching waiting for when Missoula screws up? The Bucks, as you mentioned, older roster. Um, is Brooke Lopez a free agent? I believe this year. Isn't that something I deal with too? Like, yep. so yep. Brooke Lopez is a free agent. Like, uh. And then go to the West. Don't even start it with John Rand in Memphis. Uh, the Warriors. What? How? What, where are they going to do? How are they going to retool? The Lakers. How are they going to retool? Like it just feels like these teams maybe end up having good records next season, but it just feels like these teams are in a little bit of a weird situation. Where if you're the Nuggets, I think you yeah. feel like as long as we're healthy, we could beat anybody. <laughs> you know, like I think that may be the only thing you worry about. Say, hey, do we have to knock on wood and hope that you know? Porters have a back thing or Murray's have a knee thing next year. Like that's probably maybe the only thing you think about, but you're not looking at your roster being like, oh, we're in some dire straits here, or this is a one and done deal. I think you look at it and say, okay, maybe we lose Bruce Brown. We find another guy to replace him. Otherwise let's run it back. A hundred percent. I mean, their, their key cogs are all under contract um, for not just next year, but the year after that, um, yeah. you know, you mentioned while other teams are going to, you know, kind of be dealing with continuity and, and, and trying to figure things out. Um, they'll have their pieces in place. And, and you mentioned Porter. Um, how about the fact that Jokic and, Mur- and Murray were so good in the finals that Porter shot 33% from the floor and 14, 428 
from behind the yeah. arc, and they still dominated the Heat, a, a very yeah. good Heat team. So, um, you know, if they get anything from Porter in the fight, I, I shouldn't say that he did contribute. Um, yeah, you know, last, last two games, year, last two last games, game, he, he, he found a way to uh, contribute. Yeah, he found it, but he was invisible there for at for stretches, and obviously couldn't knock down shots. Not a, never has been a great defender, um, but at least did play with some effort on the on the defensive end. So yeah, Bruce Brown uh, would, would obviously be a, a piece they'd like to retain. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm and, you know just looking ahead. Um, this is could be the start of of something special for for Denver. And when we look at the finals odds for Denver being at you know four seventy five, the Knicks at fifteenth among all NBA teams at four thousand. I don't know. That feels a little low to me. Like, I mean, I'm not saying they should be in the top five, but I mean, I'm thinking about maybe dropping some dimes on, on that on that on that bet because I'm like fifteen. I don't know. Now it's hard to say that the that necessarily Vegas is saying the Knicks are the 15th best team in the NBA, but you could kind of look at that and say, look, this is a team that finished in the top eight in terms of how the season ended. They were one of the last eight teams. And here for the betting odds, they're looking at plus 4,000. I mean, do you read anything into that? Do they think, are they anticipating a Randall trade that maybe takes them one step back, two steps forward? Like what? I was a little surprised at how low they came in. Yeah. I think because it's New York. I think you would think people, they would think people would run to say, Oh, Nick's had a great season. Let's put money down. Yeah, I think, but you know, Vegas is is smart enough to understand. I I think their their thinking is that the Knicks exceeded expectations, um, right. know, whereas the Lakers failed to 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 you know kind of reach their plateau. And and the Lakers team, obviously, the second half. Um, that being said, I, I do think that I, I was surprised the Knicks are fifteenth. You could could you make a case that eight you know that five teams are better odds than Knicks? Absolutely. Could you make a team and make a case that eight teams are better? I guess so. Sure, could you make a case that ten? Now you're starting to stretch it. I don't think there are fourteen teams that 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 you could make a legitimate argument. Um, it's certainly that I wouldn't put money on that uh, have a better chance to win a championship, especially considering the fact, as you mentioned, so much is up in the air right right now. Um, we're going to talk about Bradley Beal. Um, he's yeah. a name that'll be bandied about. Um, you know, is Joel Embiid definitely going to stay in, in Philadelphia? I assume so. Um, but you know, as we know, anything can happen. Um, what happens yeah. with Chris Paul? What happens with uh, Carol Anthony? Towns, what happens with Zach Levine? Right. What happens with Demar Derozan? We go on. What happens with James Harden? We could go on and on and on. Um, you assume one of those guys will go to one of these top five, six teams. You know, the, the, you know, these superstar teams will kind of consolidate. The Shams report indicated Miami is the front runner uh, for for Bradley Beal. Um, uh, so we'll see. Um, that being said, again to your point, with the Knicks' odds as low as they are, I'd be willing to throw down some money in case. The Knicks swing a, a blockbuster for a, 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 an Embiid. Um, you know, I don't, I don't yeah. think they should trade for Beal, but you know, s- somewhere along those lines, and we'll discuss that in a second. Um, yeah. but th- again, there's gonna with the Knicks are. It, you talk about those guys that will be that are up for grabs now, and there will be another player or two that demands a trade. You know, on a random Tuesday in August, as opposed to July. Um, and the Knicks, as we've talked about before, are in terrific position in terms of draft capital salary cap flexibility and uh, uh, salaries that they can match, uh, you know, good players on very good team friendly contracts, mid tier contracts, expiring contracts, all the stuff that you need to make a big trade the Knicks have. Um, So that, so for that reason, um, you know, if we on opening day, you could and and nothing you know the, the, the league's kind of settled a little bit. Then I could then you could make more of a realistic argument that the Knicks aren't aren't uh, you know aren't a championship legit championship contenders. Um, but right now, if you just throw in darts and, and roll the dice, uh, the Knicks have a decent chance to to do some interesting stuff this offseason. I agree. And you look at these teams: Nuggets, Celtics, Bucks, Suns, Lakers, Warriors, Sixers, Clippers, Heat, 
Grizzlies, Mavericks, Kings, Cavaliers, Pelicans, all ahead of the Knicks. Now, that Pelicans thing, let's see how long that lasts by the time you get to the NBA draft, given all these rumors. But, I mean, that's a lot of teams. That's a lot of teams. There's a lot of good teams. Some of them not that good. Mavericks, not very good at all. But, um, but that's a lot of teams in there uh, to put ahead of the Knicks. So, very interesting there. But shout out to the Denver Nuggets. Um, they did their thing uh, winning this NBA championship. So, let's get on to Bradley Beal because this is – become a thing that is unfolding as we speak. So, um, A, you have the Adrian Wojnarowski report that happened just uh, today that the uh, Wizards are working with Bradley Beal, who has a no-trade clause on his contract, to see if he should be somebody uh, – that is to see if, if they could find a place for him to be, be, uh, to, to be traded to. Um, Bradley Beal, of course, a three-time All-Star – a guy who's accomplished a lot in this league regarding individual uh, accolades, not so much team accolades. He's been staying, he's just stuck in Washington, a bad situation for most of his career. It seems like the Wizards are saying at this point in time, if slash when, because they're going to decide this, <laughs> when they decide to rebuild this thing, they're going to try to ship him out and they are talking to his representatives to figure out a place for him. And then you had Alan Hahn, who uh, is, you know, MSG analyst, uh, does a pregame for the Knicks. I thought it was interesting because he was on ESPN's Get Up. And before Woj comes with this stuff today, and Shams is also piggybacking these reports today by Bradley Beal, he comes out yesterday and says that the Knicks should be a team that goes after Bradley Beal. And that pairing him with Jalen Brunson uh, would take the Knicks to the next level. So now you got Bradley Beal, like I said, a three-time All-Star who has suffered through some injury-riddled seasons the past four years. Uh, he failed to play more than 60 games during that period. He's also owed more than $200 million over the next four years, but now appears to be on his way out of D.C. And at least one prominent Knicks commentator saying that the Knicks should be a team to go after. So when I see that, Tommy, like I can't help but say, OK, that's interesting to me, because is that coming from an educated guess or some kind of surmise of what the front office is thinking? Or is this Alan Hahn just shooting from the hip, seeing something as you know he wants to see it? So I'll ask you, should the Knicks go after Bradley Beal? No, um, mm. uh, you know, long story short, there's uh, 207 million reasons why um, the Knicks <laughs> yeah. should avoid, uh, you know, and then the, for um, the uh, next four years of, of Bradley Beal's contract, um, 46.7 million he'll make next year, year after that, 50.2 million, 53.6 million, and then it, to the 2026 27, when Bradley Beal, I believe, will be 34 years old during that season, um, will make over 57 million dollars. Um, again, as something we've talked about quite often, the new CBA um, with that, with what's called the second apron, or it's going to be referred to as a lead apron, um, it basically puts you over the tax, um, really limits your ability to round out the roster um, and improve your team on the margins um, when, you, when you exceed that that threshold. Um, and that would bump the Knicks right up against it by trading for Bradley Beal. And again, I'm not, that's not even, uh, the way I look, I like to look at when, when we see a big name being traded, whether it's Carl Anthony Towns or rumors, you know, about a, a guy requesting a trade is if that player was a free agent this off season, would you sign him to the contract he's currently signed for? So would right. you pay $207 million for the next four years of Bradley Beal? Some teams would, and it would be a decent investment. I, I personally, um, you know, a, a guy that was never a great defender on the wrong side of 30, um, has played for a team that hasn't won more than 35 games in the last four years, um, you know, has, has seen his efficiency decline a little bit, has seen the scoring average um, dip a little bit. 
Um, there's just not a lot there in the right situation. It, obviously, the injury history um, is, is not overly encouraging. In the right situation, if you have LeBron and AD or if you have Jimmy Butler and Bam, um, and you think you're one piece away from a title team within the next couple of years, and that's kind of your window, um, and you have some you know, cap that you want to send out, um, then that, that's something you, you, you know that, that you might you know, be comfortable doing. For me personally, right. from the Knicks standpoint, um, that's not a contract I'm comfortable with. Now, that's the that's a question if he was a free agent. Now you're talking about trading him. Uh, also keep in mind he has a 50% trade trade kicker. Um, he's one of the very few players in the NBA with a no trade clause, so the Knicks would have to take back that a trade kicker amount. Um, and you'd have to send out assets, presumably. Um, you know, first round draft picks, IQ, OB, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever that case might be. Um, I'm sure the Wizards are going to ask for that type of stuff initially. Hopefully somebody bites. Um, again, for me, if the Wizards were potentially uh, you know, sending back, you know, draft capital and then you to entice to get off that books and kickstart the rebuild, then that's something I'd look at. But I'm not willing to give up valuable assets for the right to overplay a 30-year-old Bradley Beal, me personally. Yeah, I know. I think I think you're right on uh, the right track here. Uh, I I don't want Bradley Beal on the New York Knicks. Bradley Beal to me is like a very interesting NBA figure. I think his career arc and maybe will be different if he ends up landing on a title contender. But to me, he's like this generation's world be free, like a guy who scored a lot of points and it didn't really make any impact on the NBA regarding how many points he was scoring, like. Uh, you know, we made the all-star game once be uh, for world be free. Uh, Beals made it three times. Um, good player. Everybody knows the guy is an offensive, uh, offensive uh, scorer, a guy who can definitely put the ball in the hole. But like you said, undersized. I don't like to fit with him and Brunson because now you're talking about two undersized guards. Neither of them can defend. We saw what happened when the Knicks put a, you know, a, a, a backcourt mate next to Brunson who couldn't defend in Fournier and that was an absolute disaster defensively so you're gonna you know do that again I I don't I don't think that that would make sense offensively you score I think but I don't know Beal is a guy who's a little ball dominant so like is he the next is he the great fit next to Brunson now can he adjust his game maybe be a little bit more of a spot-up shooter guys maybe more uh off-ball guy I guess but he's really good in pick and roll like I think that like it's actually underrated how much of a threat he is playing in that pick and roll style. It was one reason why him and John Wall kind of clashed a little bit because the Wizards offense is actually better when they were running their offensive field at some, at certain points than wall. So am I going to take Brunson moving off the wall a bunch? I don't really want to do that either. So I, I don't like the fit. And that goes beyond even just talking about the money, you know, and the injuries. Beal's been a guy who's been injury prone. Like you said, he's North of, of 30 and, I get, like I like I, we were, you know, of course, we have a text chain like most shows here. And like I sent you guys in the text chain when we talked about this, those super max deals for guys that are non superstars are poison pills like Bradley Beal's a good player. Like in a vacuum, if things were a little different, could you convince me that maybe Nick's go after him? Maybe right. I still have those issues with the defense, all that stuff. But once you bring in, I got to pay him two hundred and seven million dollars over the next four years and the player option for the last year. Um, which is at 57 million, like then the conversation ends. Like, I don't know why the teams sign these guys to these contracts. Like, teams are so afraid now of guys leaving that they end up kind of positioning themselves and putting them back in themselves in the corners where now it's gonna be hard to get rid of these guys, especially yeah. after what happened with Rudy Gobert now. Now every team can look at that and say, I don't want to be the next you know, Minnesota Timberwolves trading for a guy, giving up a million assets for a guy with a terrible contract. 
Well, I think that thinking from Washington's point of view is if they, they in other words, if he, they let him sign elsewhere last summer, they wouldn't have been able to use that cap space to sign a comparable player. So now the thinking is, at the time, we'll sign him to this right. contract. Worst case scenario, he demands a trade in 12 months, and then we'll trade him for a bunch of first-round picks. They may only get one first-round pick. Right. They may only get a one decent young player and some cap filler. But at least they get something as opposed to letting a guy walk for free. You could argue maybe a sign of trade would have been a more viable option. Um, so I think that's kind of where the Wizards were, were coming from. Um, but, yes, to your point, um, and, and, again, something we've talked about again, the Knicks were a good offensive team last year, third right. in the NBA. In, in offensive rating um and they were 19th in the nba defensive rating how does this move um if it improves them offensively and no doubt again fans i don't i shouldn't say fans. folks sometimes you know think okay this guy's a great scorer so if you the, the object of the game is to score points how can it make you how can it not improve your team it's because those shots take away from other shots are they more efficient right. shots do they prevent the other team from scoring more because again the object of the game is not just to score more points it's to score more points in your opponent so if your right, opponent exactly. if you give up more points on the other end of the floor the net return may not be a uh, uh, positive so you know if you're asking me who i'd rather have OG Ananobi or Bradley Beal for the Knicks it's not even a question you'd rather have that three and D wing um who's obviously not as good an offensive player as Ananobi but he's top 10 you know he's an old NBA defender was a second team all NBA ahead of guys like Anthony Davis and and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo from the forward position um and, and you look at the guys he can guard you know Beal can't do that same thing and then you talk about the usage rate assuming they don't send out valuable assets which mean they would keep both Randall and and Barrett um uh, maybe they would consider trading one of those. I'm not sure, but you know, maybe it's just cap filler and a draft pick or two. Again, I, I wouldn't do any of the above, but let's say yeah. they can keep their valuable assets with they deem valuable assets, obviously Barrett and, and Randall among them. Then you, how are you going to split up shots between Bradley Beal, Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett and, and Julius Randall, not to mention you got IQ and, and Josh Hart, you know, you're going to reset yeah. him. Um, so it's all for, for all those reasons. Again, that doesn't mean that Bradley Beal is a bad basketball player. It just means for the Knicks, especially at this stage of their development, all their young guys, all their, their young core, they've done a really good job avoiding kind of those cap crippling contracts. Um, in order for me to take on one of those, I needed to be a stud type player and an bead type player. Those I'm willing to kind of give up the form for and risk that, that contract. But the, the ironic part is that, that uh, in Bede's contract is actually more team friendly than Beal. A lot of it has to do with when these deals are signed. Um, but so when you factor in defensive issues, um, lack of success in the, in, with Bradley Beal on it, uh, you know, it, it, the last few years of his career, his lack of, of proven playoff credentials, and then the cherry on the top, that 200 million um, hard pass for me. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, shout out to the people watching us on YouTube. Like, I'm looking at this lower third that we have for this video. You know, shout out to Alan Hahn, one of my favorite Nick commentators out there right now. So shout out to him. But, you know, it says Alan Hahn thinks Beal plus Brunson could be the NBA's best backcourt. You know who else? I kept hearing about having the best backcourt with Bradley Beal. I kept hearing everybody say that Wall and Beal could be the NBA's best backcourt. What did that win them? Jack. It didn't win them anything. And like, those both guys in their prime. In their prime, not injured, not making fifty million dollars a year. This was when they were young; they were making the playoffs and couldn't win anything. So, like, like okay, you had the best backcourt in the NBA, but like, what does that mean towards actually winning? And I, I just, I think, like, I feel like if they got Bradley Beal next season, I feel like the Knicks' ceiling would be the same as it was this year. Like, if you're telling me how, what do you think they would do next season? I say. I think they'll probably get to the second round. They compete in a hard-fought series. 
and they probably lose to the Bucks or Heat or right. Celtics. Right. Like right. that's what I would think. So right. like if I, so, I'm not going to do that and then pay this guy fifty million dollars and hope yeah. that he stays healthy for the next four years. Again, if 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 Brunson was thirty one and Randall was thirty two and Barrett right. was twenty nine. And then, you know, you, you, they're going to you're going to lose those guys in free agency. You're going to have to, you know, kind of rebuild and reshuffle the deck like the, the Miami Heat. I understand them being, you know, making that make sense. They've exactly. got Lowry's not getting any younger. Jimmy Bull is 34, 35 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they're probably going to lose Gabe's uh, Gabe Vincent and, and Max Strew. So they have to replace those guys. Um, so, again, they, their window obviously is Jimmy Butler focused. So Butler doesn't have, you know five years left the Knicks they're the beauty of the Knicks con as currently constructed is not only are they competitive they made it to the grade eight this season but they're well positioned to be in the future in years past the Knicks didn't have anything you know worth so yeah trade for Bradley Beal and you can't get worse than a 17 win right, team anyway exactly. um right. you know but you know and then you have joking those contract with books and all this other nonsense that you didn't have a lot of you know maneuvering ability now you don't have to pick just that one lane you can as something we've said for weeks and months now you can be selective in the star you want to take back and this is not the, the right star that the Knicks should use those assets they've been accumulating to acquire in my opinion yeah no Bradley Beal I mean this is going to be a topic of conversation not just in Knicks world but in the NBA world he's a multiple time all-star he's a 25 point caliber scorer 30 point caliber scorer even a couple years ago he almost won it scoring title so he's gonna make an impact somewhere you would think if he goes to a contender but uh, I don't think it makes sense for the Knicks. So speaking of guys in other lanes, maybe the Knicks can pursue the Zion Williamson era in NOLA could be coming to an end. So you had Sham Serenia reporting that the Pelicans are pursuing a trade in hopes of drafting G League Ignite point guard Scoot Henderson uh, in the top three of this year's NBA draft and that they are in discussing internally whether they should be sending out Zion Williamson in order to make that happen. Um, again, Brian Windhorst is also piggybacked on that reporting, saying that the Pelicans are certainly looking at what their options could be for trading Zion Williamson. And whenever Zion Williamson trade rumors or unhappiness rumors have come about, the Knicks have shortly followed after there. He wanted to be a Nick when he was uh, in the draft in 2019. Of course, that did not happen when Knicks lost the lottery he talked about Masters Square Garden being his play, favorite place to play, New York City being one of his favorite cities in America. So um, the the trade machine was already working as soon as these reports started coming out that Zion may be on the move. Uh, Tommy, if you were the Knicks, would you pursue Zion Williamson in, in this situation and get into this situation where uh, if you're looking at you know Portland maybe trying to trade three, Maybe you say, hey, let's uh, let's throw in our pick. Let's throw in Randall. Let's make this a three-team deal. Let's bring back Zion because how healthy can Zion be really to help uh, Dame Lillard win a championship? Like, should the Knicks get involved with this uh, with this potential uh, trade rumors? Oh, man, EJ. Like, there's a times I'm jealous of sports executives. They make all this money and get to, you know, and have, have you know, get a place at the table of, of such important decisions. And I'd like to yeah. be knowledgeable about sports. This is one of those situations where I think the whole, the, the Pell should probably trade Zion, but I don't think I'd have the stomach to trade him. Um, wow. I, 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 you know, if gun to my head, I'd probably bet against him, you know, fulfilling his potential. But there are very few players in the NBA that have MVP potential. When he's healthy, 
he is a top five athlete talent a combination yeah. of uh, what what he can do on a basketball floor a lot of people can't do he hasn't been able to do it more than two months at a time um he hasn't been able to do it consistently whether that's his fault or his body's fault or sliding into girls dms whatever there, there's a lot of there's a <laughs> lot of red flags there and there's a lot of stuff that you have to be worried about if you're a pelicans fan if you're a pelicans you know in pelicans management if you're a team that's considering trading for him i'm sure there's a lot of executives doing a lot of digging because, you know, these guys, uh, they don't mess around in, in these professional sports leagues. They know exactly. Yeah. You know, they have a better sense of just what the buzz is on Twitter. Like they, they get to the bottom of stuff, but again, the Browns gave up a, a, an untold amount of assets for Deshaun Watson and signed the richest contract in NFL history. If you are talented enough, a team will give you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance. Um, when I want my team to be the team that gives, right. you know, what are we on, a second, third chance now in terms of injuries and, and red flags? Ah, man, because I'm not in love with Randall, I, I could be talked into it. I could consider it. Um, I'd like the idea of just the, the, it would just be so interesting to see kind of how he would fit in alongside, you know, you know, the leadership kind of in a, in a, with Brunson led locker room and under Tibbs and, and all that stuff. So I wouldn't be dead set against it. Um, but again, that's, you know, my job's not on the line, so I can just kind of do it for, for, for goofs. Um, (laughs) yeah. I don't know. I'd really have to sit down, think hard. I'd have to think about what they'd give up. I'd have to think about what they'd give back. Um, but I'm, I'm really on the fence when it comes to Zion. I don't know which way to go. Yeah. I I mean, I think I agree. This is one of the hardest decisions. I think probably an organization will have to uh, sit through in terms of the Pelicans. And I think it will be equally hard for these teams who see a supernova talent out there who I think can be had probably, but what will it cost you? Yep. Will he ever play at that supernova talent level for you on a consistent basis? And what other headaches could he may come with him if you bring him into your organization? So, like, that's funny. I was talking to my brother a couple of nights ago, and I was looking at the Zion Williamson situation. And it's it's different because of the injury reasons, really. Um, but to me, he kind of reminds me of, like, Chris Webber's early career yeah. in the NBA. Like, you know, it's one of those things where if I'm the Pelicans and say, look, he may go somewhere else and be an MVP candidate. It just ain't going to be here. Right. And that's a decision that like the Wizards slash Bullets and the Warriors had to come to. And it yep. wasn't necessarily so or everything wasn't all their fault. A yep. lot of it was the immaturity of the of the actual player himself. But sometimes you just got to know, like, is there is there any scenario where like this thing just doesn't continue to kind of snowball and get worse and worse? And like it just might not work out. And he may go somewhere else and be great, but you may just have to live with that and hope you can make yep. the best of whatever, you know, kind and, of shrapnel you get coming back for you. And you could tell yourself that even, you know, even if he goes on to fulfill his t- potential elsewhere, you can kind of reason to yourself. It just wasn't going to happen here for whatever right. reason, you know, like he needed to go somewhere else and get a fresh start and get a kick in the pants and realize nothing's guaranteed, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's, it, 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 it's a, it's a, a scary, you know, scenario one with the other. And the other thing that Pels have to ask themselves, some Pels fans, if they trade him, are going to say, why did you sell low? He's coming off an injury prone year and, yeah. you know, you, let him get healthy and then trade him. Is this the but the, the Pell's got to ask himself, is there another level of, you know, in other words, if he gets hurt again, how much right. further, you know, if you can get 70, 83% of, you know, whatever Zion was 100%, you know, at the 12 months ago, you know, you can get 85% yeah. now. 
Um, can you, you know, maybe only get 70% six months from now. And then a year from now, maybe you only right. get 40% um, right. because, you know, another baby mom, you know, just there's, there's a lot right. of, stuff. Yeah. it's just a lot of stuff out there um, that, 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 that can scare you. And then the flip side is he comes in healthy and he can average 27, nine and five uh, for two months. So it's just, it's, it's a difficult decision. Yeah. I mean, look, you're looking at the, the salary you got for the next five years, you just signed this extension that kicks in this year. 33 million next this year, 36 million the year after that, 38 million, 41 million, 44 million. I mean, that's a gamble, but do, if he's I, a great I, I, player, I mean, it's not I the craziest. I'm numbers. pretty sure not Bradley Beal numbers. I, I'm pretty sure there are protections, injury in games. Yes, they are. The first and bead contract, there are protections on there. So, yes, exactly. So, I mean, if he doesn't do what he's capable of, I think the most he'll get, I think, is is 193 out of that, you know, 250 million that he would get. So, like, it, it, I, I look. If I was the Knicks, you got to You got to call. You got. You got to. You got to see. You got to call. You got to. You got to say, hey, what what is out there? Because you have Julius Randle, who I'm not trying to give him away for anybody, but like, we kind of know what you're getting from him. You the best you'll get is a. Uh, a maybe moody, but probably really uh, impactful and effective regular season, and a player who in the postseason is completely unreliable. Yes. So, given where he is and who that player is, you're looking at not a championship. You know, maybe second round, maybe you can find your way in the conference finals, but it's hard to think that your second best player could be that poor in the postseason. You get all the way to a championship. So, you have to ask yourself, hey, is this the kind of a, a good move to kind of kind maybe reset our clock a little bit like the Knicks are a young team, but maybe it feels like, Hey, like given where Brunson's ages and his contract is that they kind of have to get this thing done now, which is why you're hearing, Hey, maybe you go after Bradley Beal. Maybe you go after Zach Levine. Maybe this kind of resets your your, your situation. We say, Hey, this is a younger guy that you're bringing in. Okay. Maybe we will have to pay Brunson $40 million a year in a couple of years, but we have now, you know, another 22 year old to go with RJ Barrett and these other guys. And these guys will continue to develop. And maybe Brunson's a slight overpay in a couple of years, but we got other guys who are now entering the prime of their career, and now your team looks different. Maybe you're not looking at trying to win the championship in the next two, three years. Maybe you're saying, hey, our window in the next six, seven years may be a little better. While still the being problem, competitive. While still right. Being and you'll still be a, you should still be a good team, knock yep. on wood, if Zion stays healthy. And that's probably yep. really the main thing is for me is, yes. is yeah, totally. the health. Agreed. Agreed. The other stuff is a little bit concerning. The main question with that is, is the injury. The guy can't play. Um, and whether he's motivated enough, you know, whether yeah. he just, you know, that's, that, that is the, the primary concern. And you made a, a one point you made too about the injuries. I think was good talking about, you know, like, do you trade him now so that you don't have worse things to deal with? Like, remember, like, the, like this injury he dealt with, like, this wasn't some like debilitating thing that you would think that's going to derail his career. Like yeah. he had a hamstring injury. And he couldn't recover. And, like, the thought behind it is, well, soft tissue injury, not in the greatest shape. Like, could your poor recovery be to the fact that you're not taking care of your body? It wasn't he tore his ACL right. or he had a you know, leg a fracture. Yep. Yeah, Achilles. But you don't know. Like, there's no reason, unless Zion doesn't take him, his body and his job right. seriously, that he right. shouldn't go back to being Zion Williamson. Yep. So, like, you don't want to, if you're the Pelicans, Say, well, you know what? Like, he, he had a soft tissue injury. Like, we'll just try to motivate him again, and he'll come back next year. The next year, he does blow out a knee, and the God forbid, or yep. does have some debilitating thing. Now you can't give him away. So 
that's something I think the Pelicans will have to wrestle as well. And it's something that, you know, the, that if you're the Knicks or you're any team that's looking to trade for Zion, you may tell yourself, hey, like, yes, he's had these injuries, but he hasn't really had anything yet that would make you super scared that he can't play moving forward. Like, and maybe this is the time now to say, hey, if we can just get him to just commit, maybe this will be the right place for him. I actually think also, I think what I've learned about Zion in the last four years, however many years he's been in the NBA four, I guess, I think he benefited more from playing next to R.J. Barrett in college than I think anybody ever realized because R.J. was the number one guy coming out of high school. R.J. was the guy seen as a quote-unquote maple mamba. And Zion had a lot of hype, obviously, coming into that due season. I'm talking about once we got to the NBA draft and stuff. But he was seen almost more as like a social media star than he was yep. even like the best player coming yep. into that due class. Yep. And yep. R.J., uh, took all the heat hits, took all the criticism, and as my brother noted, took a lot of late shots in those games uh, that they won, that they lost. Like he was a closer in a lot of those games. Like a lot of that stuff, and we talk about RJ's maturity and how it's it's been a benefit to his NBA career so far. Like a lot of those arrows, so to speak, and a lot of that responsibility really was never on Zion. Zion could just go out there and catch alley oops and just be a physical freak. I kind of wonder if you put him back with RJ Barrett, who's still shown to be a really mature young guy, a, a really good leader at just 22 years old. Maybe that's the exact right guy to put him next to, along with a guy like Jalen Brunson. The other thing I was thinking from the Duke days is how much did he benefit from the structure under Coach K? You know, that's a Absolutely. That, that's a tightly run. You know, we can knock Coach K for a million things, but they don't mess yeah. around in terms of, um, you know, meetings and, and, and yeah. you know, professionalism. Of, yeah, it's like, a, it's like a pro team. A hundred percent. And and one has to wonder, had uh, Zion been drafted by Miami and they had him on a a weight, you know, you know, you you don't get, you know, you don't weigh under this amount, then you don't get paid and you can't practice that day. Right. Um, Yeah. You know, but yeah, to your point, like Zion was more of like a Mac McClung, Seventh Woods type internet guy. What really impressed everybody was how well-rounded his game was once he kind of came to Duke and and, and played well. Yeah. early on yeah he um, exceeded expectations in that freshman year 100%, like 100%, like 100%. he was the third best player in the class people thought yep. reddish and yep and rj were better than him he third came in the third team, guy yeah. yep yep right and then, and then he came in and he was an absolute marvel so you're definitely right about that i think you're right also about the structure like i i i think david griffin's been overrated executive for a long time so and i don't necessarily blame everything on him with this but i i felt like he set a bad tone the minute zion got there like i think he zion gets there and the first thing he's saying is this is drew holiday's team um it seemed like they just were ready to just absolve zion of any responsibility maybe in one way said maybe trying to recreate what duke atmosphere was to some degree but i actually think it sent a a bad message to me they ran that team like a summer camp it was oh you don't have to play here we're not gonna we're gonna sit you out in summer league. We're gonna do that. It was just so much coddling to start an NBA career. It's just you don't see that for rookies. Like he was treated like he was a, a 33-year-old vet who they were trying to keep on ice and keep him fresh for the playoffs. It didn't make any sense how they how they how they coached him, how Evan Alvin Gentry in that rookie year coached him, how they talked about him. And so it's hard to start like that and then become a hard ass like his third year in the league. Like it, it just, it's not going to compute. It's not going to make sense to him. So uh, yeah, I, I, I just didn't understand how they, how they handled that. But um, the Zion Williams stuff, I think will be interesting. I think if he does get traded, you, I think you will hear stuff about the Knicks poking around. So definitely so, again, I don't know what they do it, but they'll be in the conversation. 100%. Exactly. So that's going to do it. 
for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Myself, EJ, Tommy Beer. Tommy, let people know they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore suit on Twitter, action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Again, thank you guys so much for checking us out. Um, first of all, also be sure uh, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast with a free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. We drop, of course, uh, twice during the offseason, so we'll have more episodes next week. Also, check us out on YouTube. You can find us on the WFN channel and the Odyssey Sports channel. Thank you guys again for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Thank you, guys. Peace.